listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. We're going to continue on with our series today entitled Battle Ready. In fact, we're finishing up today our series, and it's been a great, 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 great series. Um, And I thought it would be just fantastic to finish it up with our interns today. We're going to be finishing up on the final three implements that go along with our spiritual armor. Um, In this world that we're living in, there are a lot of battles, a lot of wars that are going on, and certainly there's a lot of discussion about being in a battle. And I think there's a lot of rumblings in the natural about spiritual battle because the truth is in inside, in the spiritual realm, there's been a battle over your life since your conception. There is an enemy that's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but God sent his son that come and give you abundant life. There is a war that wages regularly in the heavens over not only your future destiny, but your current effectiveness and experience here on this earth. And here in Ephesians chapter 6, and they're going to give me that verse here, Um, these instructions have been given to believers because we are not victims of the attack. We can actually lean forward and lean into the attack and win the attacks that come against our lives. Now, life isn't all about fighting the enemy or fighting circumstances, but part of life certainly is. And we want you to be under, understand that, to be informed with that. And so we've leaned into these scriptures, and this will be the fifth week. Fifth and final week, we'll be talking about this. So I'm going to jump over to the side. I want you to read this along with me uh, before our speakers come to share. Ephesians chapter 6, 10, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. I'm going to do my best to get it right on the fifth and final week. How many of you are, got 100% so far? Some of, okay, two of you. Okay, congratulations to you guys. Whatever. And for the rest of us... <laughs> For the rest of us imperfect people who need grace, we're going to try to do this today. Okay, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extend. Flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Give yourself a hand. Great job. And for those of you who remain perfect, I remain imperfect. And so I've done that just as an example to you of God's grace. Sometimes, you know... We just want to know that God's good and that he accepts us even though that we're imperfect, right? Uh, so with that, uh, we in our, in our C3 internship, we, we do a lot of training and a lot of work with our, our interns to, to be able to speak, to be able to deliver 
classes, lessons, messages. We, it's a, a little bit of a promotion for our upcoming 2024 season of C3 interns. We challenge you if you're a high school senior or older. Uh, we meet regularly, read through the Bible in the year. We do a lot of classes. We meet weekly for a couple of hours. We have a meal together. We pray together. We research together. We do projects together. And we get the opportunity also to learn how to speak and deliver God's word. And so it's my privilege to introduce our three speakers today. First and foremost, coming to the pl platform at this time to speak is none other than David's Ch David Chait, who's five foot, how, how tall? Five, five. His wife, who I'm not sure how tall she is, but she is a wonderful friend and wonderful servant in the house, Marina Chait. And it is our honor to get to hear from you today. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Steve. What an amazing introduction. Although um, I'm not, I'm not sure David is five five, but that's over there. Um, hi everybody. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you, uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Rowena and Church for this opportunity to have the mic in my hand. Um, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have a voice. So awesome. Uh, so today I get to talk about the breast plate of righteousness. And um, a part of that verse that we just read, um, we did the verse 10 through 18. And one of the things that I really highlighted was the verse, verses 12 through 13. Um, and it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be with, able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And um, for me, the reason I chose that was because it's about the intentionality of it. When you put on the armor, right? It's not like Pastor Steve was saying earlier. It's not that you start training at the start of the marathon. You prepare for it. And so making sure that you um, have all of your gear together. Um, I love talking about warrior mindset. It's just something that I was raised with for a very, very long time. So what I'm, my preface to all of this is um, when I when I'm here, please hear my heart. Um, I sometimes can be a little blunt, but I mean it. But I mean it with just um, with just a, a good heart, because sometimes, sometimes you just need someone to tell you like it is. So that's me. Uh, so so first things first. When um, when we were talking about the breastplate of righteousness, you know, I wanted to kind of break it down for me to really understand what was I, what I wanted to talk about. So, what is the breastplate? Obviously, it's the armor that goes over the body, right? And we use it to protect the vital organs and the heart. And when I kind of read over it and was praying about it, one of the things that really stood out was um, sometimes we could also to defend ourselves from the enemy. We can use God Himself to protect us, to protect our heart. When I am scared, the first thing I do is just pray. And a lot of times, it's tissue. So just, you know. um, a lot of times, what I do is just lean into praising him, right? So I, I just put that armor on. I, that is the only thing I think about. I don't need to worry about the negative or the fear that's going on. Um, you know, speaking up here is one of my favorite things to do. But uh, I obviously 
lean into that prayer beforehand, right? I don't worry about the negative stuff. So just thinking about the fact that using God as your shield, protecting you from all the attacks of the enemy, because the enemy is waiting for you to fail at all times. The enemy will do anything, anything it takes to derail you. Um, and while some of us might be susceptible to some of the bigger trajectory changes, right? Like not all of us are going to be murderers and, you know, serial killers. But he does know how to move us like five degrees at a time, right? And, and it's so indetectable. It's, it's not detectable. It's so slight um, and it's tiny. So when you put on the armor, it obviously prevents that. And you can lean into prayer. You can ask God for questions because wouldn't it be great to be able to focus on true north and then you can see when you've kind of gotten off the path a little bit as opposed to, oh my gosh, I'm completely 90 degrees and now I have to alter my life completely. Um, it's a lot harder to kind of implement things in your life when you've taken them out. So um, what I said was just to, to stand firm. When things are hard and when there are so many things pulling at you, you really want to give all your struggles to him. And it seems so simple to say, but sometimes it's when you say it out loud, right? Your subconscious is leaning into that, and it's speaking, it's speaking that faith. Um, my second point is about righteousness. And the verse that I have is Proverbs 21, 2 to 3. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than the actual sacrifice. So again, I looked up what righteousness meant because I always thought it was this smug kind of living. And what I, what I realized was it really is just the quality of being morally right, living a life in alignment with God's standards. So, you know, are you turning to God when you need insight? Um, are you making the intentional decision to pursue him before you rely on your own choices? Um, we're not, you know, I don't, he's not asking perfection. We're, we can't be perfect because we are human. Um, we can't be flawless, but, but living a life that would make him proud, right? Are we seeking that from him? Um, I said, did I want to pray for insight and forgiveness to the people who betrayed me? Did I want to put aside my hurt and uh, focus on whatever the priority was at hand? I don't, um, no, I didn't. But I knew if I dwelled in that negativity, that wasn't something that God was going to be proud of. That wasn't something that then I could influence people with, right? I can't change people's lives by being a negative Nelly or steeping in my grossness. So it's the conscious decision to make the right choices while you swallow your own ego. So uh, one of my favorite examples is really, I love the kids. You guys know I'm always with the kids. And it was just so interesting because just this morning we're up here praying for the Christian sins and the boys were down here and they're always, you know, fighting with each other. And, um, you know, one was getting more attention than the other. And it was just that moment where I was like, do you want to come up and pray with us? And, oh my gosh, it was so sweet, which is why I needed the tissue because at one point, the two tiny little hands were like reaching up for Shane, these big massive bear paw. But like, right, we're living a life of intentionality, of righteousness. We're, we're paving the next generation. And the only way that we can do that is if we posture ourselves right. So very quickly, I wanted to get through my last verse. Um, so Isaiah 12, 2. 
Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. Has, he has become my salvation. So put on your breastplate. Be a warrior for God. We are a gathered community. In this church, we are warriors. So one of the things that we're going to talk about is um, an example of life that I lived called Bushido. And Bushido is the way of the warrior. So we're going to go through this. Are you ready? Okay. The first one is integrity. Warriors make a full commitment to their decisions. Are you still being wishy-washy about your faith? Second, respect. The true strength of a warrior becomes apparent during difficult times. It is so easy to be like, God, why me? But it's also better, maybe, I don't know, when you're in that time to go, hey, I'm here for it because I know you have me. And that's all that I know is I just need to walk through this today and just look after you. Uh, Respect. the. Oh, excuse me. Heroic courage. Heroic courage is not blind. It is intelligent and strong. Be intentional. Seek God. That is the most intelligent thing you can do. Honor. You cannot hide from God. Compassion. If an opportunity does not arise, then go out of your way to find one. Honesty and sincerity. Speaking and doing are not the same thing. Duty and loyalty to everyone that they are responsible for, they remain fiercely true. And so something I want to say is as a community, as warriors for God, make sure that we're also being good examples for our kiddos, right? For the next generation or for the people in the next row behind you. So life is tough. Our hearts have been broken. Our trust has been trampled. We've been hurt. We've been taken advantage of. We've been forgotten and thrown away. But if God is for us, then who is against us? And there's, there's, no better, there's no better answer. God has called us to serve, to be his warriors. Some of us are sweet and some of us are not. And I don't mind that I'm not. God has called us to make a difference. So what is stopping you? We get to choose how to live. If your top five closest friends were to ask to describe you, would your love for God be one of them? So let's paint a picture, okay? A person comes to church for the first time, seeking hope, seeking forgiveness, seeking love. The person is looking for someone to validate them or just a place to feel validated, some place to belong, some place to have value in them. But because you are so worried that you might look like a fool, you didn't want to like lean into worship. So you didn't raise your hands or you didn't sing. And then because you're thinking about yourself, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not sure. You're just not feeling very confident that way. Um, you didn't see them and you didn't have an opportunity to greet them after our gathering. Did what you do, did what you do was wrong? No. No, that's very human of us. But you did let those arrows of the enemy push you just enough, that five degrees. So that person maybe went home, didn't find what they were looking for, couldn't find that fresh breath like that one person you were talking about, Pastor Steve. So what are you waiting for? We are, we are all in the same battle. It's all the same. It might not look the same, but we are all in the same battle. We are a team. And if each one of us takes responsibility, that person would have felt welcome. Like they would have found the community and support that we all love about this community. That um, here's what I here is what I do know about being a warrior that I can accomplish 
and overcome anything because I do have God. And that then I can still persevere. So with that said, I want to introduce, I know that was really quick, sorry. Um, I want to... I would like to introduce our next oh, speaker, who in my mind is an amazing warrior herself. I also might be a little biased, but um, welcome to the stage, Alana Felix. What a great message. That was amazing. That was awesome. Well, good morning, guys. Um, I, I'm really thankful to have this opportunity again to be able to be up here and speak. I've kind of had a word on, on my heart for a couple months now and just wasn't sure where it was supposed to go. Um, but this right, right here today, this is, this is it. So I'm going to be talking about the, um, the helmet of salvation. Um, I was able to choose my topic first. Um... But I wanted to do one of the other topics, but I just, I really felt called to this one, and I had to do a lot of prep for it because I just didn't really get what I would have been talking about. But um, after the research, it all clicked, and I was like, yes, this is it. This is, this is the one. Um, so what exactly does this helmet do for you? It protects your head, it protects your brain, it protects this mental, okay, right up here. Um, you know that like, you know, like, it's mental, that's what I, <laughs> anyways, so it, it protects that up here, and um, I, being very vulnerable right now, I'm, I'm someone that's really struggled with mental health, like, since probably middle school, um, and not only that, but just like regular life trials. I mean, like who has never experienced a life trial? Exactly. No hands went up. So, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's always ways around those trials and those struggles and you can choose to just power through it and whatever, do it by myself, or you can choose to, to let God help you with that. And that's also something that is difficult for me is like, asking for help, letting people help, letting people pray over me because, I mean, growing up, my mom didn't have that support system, and so she kind of raised us to be that way. Like, you know, you have to be tough because there's not other people to, to be there that you can lean on. But we have a great church family that I've been so lucky to be a part of for about 10 years now, and so I, I'm just, I'm so grateful for them because they have helped me just learn how to lean on God. And if I can't find that strength, they have that strength ready for me until I can do it myself. Um, so recently I've kind of been catching up on some Bible reading and um, have been reading up on the book of Job. If you have not read that, you should read it. It's insane. It's amazing, but it's insane. Um, so Job, let me give you a quick rundown. So he, he's a great man. He's got all this stuff. I mean, like the very first verse in the first chapter is like, he's an upright and blameless man. Like he's a good guy. 
Um, and, and he loves God and he, like his kids get along. Like I don't really get along with my siblings all the time, but these, these siblings, they're, they're tight. Okay. Um, and then, you know, a little bit later in the first chapter, Satan and God, they're kind of having a conversation and Satan's like, your guy, Job is not as great as you think he is. And God's like, Hmm, you're wrong. Like he, he loves me. You can feel free to test him if you want mess with his all this stuff that I've I've blessed him with go for it and he's still going to honor me and love me and Satan's like okay yeah I'm gonna do that and God says just don't mess with like him physically but his things go for it and so then of course Job starts getting messengers to his house he's living his life and then oh my gosh, your ox, and oh, they all got, they're gone, they're gone, and it was a crazy thing, and I was the only person to escape to come and tell you this terrible news, and right in the middle of that, another, oh my gosh, yeah, your sheep, they're gone, they burned up, they, ugh, it was crazy, and I was the only person to escape to tell you this terrible news. Your kids are dead. They're gone. They all got crushed. You have no children anymore. And I was the only person to come escape and tell you this terrible news. And he's like, okay. And the, the very last verse of the first chapter is, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So my very first little point is to put on the helmet. Just put it on. If you have that and you're not wearing it, what are you doing? What are you doing? Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So you have received this by your faith. God has given it to you already. If it is just like around and you forgot about it, you hung it up on the wall, like get it down, get it on you, keep it on you, get it secure. Because that's what Job had. I mean, to, to have all that news told to you in the span of probably like five minutes, like you'd have to be very secure with that mentally to be like, I know God and he's got me. He's got this. His hand is on the situation. So a little bit later, you know, Satan and God are having another conversation. God says, okay, fine. You can mess with him. Not mess with him, but, you know, you can affect him physically, but he needs to stay alive. You can't just kill him off. And Job starts to get sores just everywhere. And his his wife, oh, gosh, I, I ugh, she's like, hey, curse God curse him and be done. And so Job 2, 9 through 10 says, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Like, after all of this, like, you got sores everywhere, buddy. You got nothing. And you're like, you know what? I trust in God. Trust him with my heart. My wife's a foolish woman. <laughs> like, oh, all right. I would hate to be that wife. 
But um, by chapter three, Job, he starts to curse the day of his birth. So he was, his helmet's probably faltering. It's probably crooked on his head. It's, he, he wasn't keeping it on there. Um, but then big jump all the way to, he, so he's just really unhappy. And going up until Job 38, one through five, it says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words with knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Um, okay, if God ever talked to me like that, oh my goodness, like I would know that I'm in for it. Like, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Nowhere, not nowhere. Like, yeah, yeah, you're darn right, okay? Basically calling him out. So my second point is to seek God, but also listen. Like, shut, I'm sorry, shut up, but like you need to listen to him. And that is something that I have had to deal with so many times. Like, yes, I'm going after God, but I'm yapping, yapping and yapping. And he's just like a teacher, you know, when the class is like really, they're just, I'll wait. I'll just wait. Yeah. You're only wasting your own time. I'll, I'll just wait. Like, just shut up, okay? Like, really, he's trying to talk to you, and you are just not even letting him get a word in. That's, ooh, that's absurd, Okay. So even when you're deep in the eye of the storm, it said, in the verse, it said a whirlwind. He's, so he's crazy, going crazy, he's spiraling, but God's voice is going to be heard if you open your ears, okay? Clean them out, goodness. But calling up, you know, calling up your friend, like to, to let him know, oh, this is all the terrible thing that's happened to me, it's so bad, like that is not, seeking God. That's not going to do anything. Like if you are going to open your mouth at all, use it to pray, use it to praise God, use it to seek him, not to just vent. So my third and final point is to trust in God. Cause if we look at the end of Job, it's Job 42, 10 through 17, it says, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And he is being blessed more than he ever even like could fathom in his brain. Just how much he was, God was giving back to him. And he was able to be like, you know what? I was in the wrong I was, you know, saying lies about you, God, and this is not true. This is not who you are. And he, God was like, hey, pray a prayer to me, and I'll bless you. And he did, and he was blessed. Um, sorry, I know I'm over time, but this is a little bit more vulnerable, but a real story I have to share. Um, if you guys don't know, I have had three emergency surgeries in my life, um, and that's hard. Having surgery is hard. Having emergency surgery is even harder. And 
it's pretty scary. Um, but I just had surgery like three days ago, and I, here I am. I look amazing, of course. And that's, that is God. Like, I had to prep for this. I have been exclusively listening to worship music for the last three weeks just to prep for this and, and constantly be in his spirit because I, I needed to put my armor on. And I didn't really have it all on and secure. But after I was able to get it on, after some, some people in the church family told me to buck up and um, let myself be prayed over, I have experienced so much goodness and, and healing, and it's been great. So, yeah. And now introducing never-before-seen, fresh new cut, Stevie Come on up here. <laughs> wow, that's an intro for everyone. That was good. That was really good. I, I think what sticks out, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've been asked a few rhetorical questions about God in my life. And I feel like if God asks me a rhetorical question, I'm wrong. I don't know if you guys know that. Read the Bible. He'll ask people rhetorical questions. Or if he repeats the same question, you know, oh. Yes. Yes, God. Uh, well, I am so excited to have an opportunity to speak to you guys today. Um, and I'm going to finish up with the boots of peace today. Uh, before I talk about that, uh, there was, growing up, this whole series has reminded me of something from my childhood. Uh, when I was a kid, there was uh, a few Christian movies slash TV shows I was allowed to watch. My mother... As the story of my children eating ice cream at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, would point to, she has changed over the years, <laughs> and maybe not, not so strict nowadays. Uh, so my, what I was allowed to watch as a kid was a list of a few things, and that was it. Uh, one of them was this show or movie, I guess it was a movie, called Bible Man. I don't know if, any, don't know if anybody remembers this. Uh, it was essentially a Batman but Christian. Um, it was about this guy who had wealth and status and all this stuff, and he reached the end of his ropes one day and found a Bible and then devoted his life to fighting the schemes of the devil. Um, and he would fight uh, wickedness and lies and deceit and all this stuff. Uh, but me as a Eight-year-old, that was awesome. It was the coolest thing ever. And he even had this armor that he would put on. There would be this whole montage of uh, just this suit-up scene and all this cool stuff. And he had like a lightsaber. It wasn't a lightsaber. It was the sort of truth, okay? But it was a lightsaber. Um, and it was awesome. And every time that I would watch that, it would always come to the boots of peace. And I would just think, how lame. <laughs> boots? Psh, give me the sword. I'm going to go attack things. Um, but the boots were those, it was boring as an eight-year-old. I didn't, I mean, at that point, I didn't know what peace was. I didn't think I had a need for peace. I didn't, it was over my head, and all I wanted to do was go and slash the bad guys. I wanted to get out there in the field. Um, but now that I'm older and have been through some life, uh, I need peace pretty much every moment of every day, um, so desperately. Uh, but... It kind of brings up the question of, you know, why boots in the first place? Why are boots associated with peace? 
Um, and in the in the time, especially when the Bible was written, boots were so important because the Roman soldiers, their boots actually had spikes on them, on the very bottom of them. And basically, the whole purpose was to make sure soldiers had sound footing. Everywhere they went, they would be able to dig their feet into the ground. That way they had some leverage to do everything else that they needed to do. Because one of the worst things that could happen in battle is falling down. If you fall down in battle, it is basically a death sentence because there's no way you can go on the offensive. Instead, you're, you're being defensive the entire time. You're in a vulnerable spot. You're open to attacks. And so you want to be sure that you're on a nice solid ground. The soldiers want to be sure they were on solid ground. And to me, that is kind of what peace is. Um, and in some versions of the Bible... Or, or in the, the version we're using today, it talks about the readiness. And the verse is uh, Ephesians 6, verse 15. It says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. And I always thought that that word readiness is really interesting to me. You know, why? I, I'm a big, like, word person, so I like to know why are you using this word in this moment. And to me, readiness conveys a, a concept of vigilance and being constantly aware of what's going on around you. Especially in a battle, you need to know, where do I need to be? When do I need to move? When do I need to stay my ground? When do I need to go on the offensive? When do I need to be here and there? And so it's this readiness of constantly looking out for the things that are going on around you. And, all, and that kind of means that you're going to need a never-ending stamina. A stamina that doesn't dry out, that doesn't well up, that you are constantly ready to keep on going, constantly ready to continue in the fight. So then, that brings up another question. Where does this stamina come from? I don't know about you guys. I don't have unlimited stamina. I, uh, I'm only 28. I should have more stamina than I do. My kids have helped me develop extra reserves of stamina. I call it parent stamina. Uh, you parents understand what I'm talking about. Uh, but in, so where does this, where does this stamina come from? No, at the end of the day, uh, another translation of this same verse says, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. So my stamina needs to come from the good news. And over the last, oh, I want to say four or five months, I have had a lot of battles with fear and anxiety. Um, over things that I can't control. Uh, it's at moments gotten so bad where I can't sleep at night and I'm sitting up running. I don't know if you guys ever know. I do this. Running over vents that will probably never happen. But it's, it's, gonna, it's always the worst case scenario too, right? It's never like a realistic outcome. It's always like, it's all going to burn. It's going to explode. Everything's done. It's the end of, the, it's the end of everything. Um, and I've realized that I don't have my boots of peace ready. I'm not ready. I'm instead, I've fallen on the ground. And I'm allowing the enemy to relentlessly attack over and over again. And I, and I haven't been ready. And why? Because I haven't been embracing the good news. The good news that Christ died for me, first of all. Uh, the other news that he has already won everything. That I'm worrying about a battle that he has already declared the victory over. I just need to have, play my part and walk in that victory. Um. So peace, I, you know, when I read this, 
this to me says that peace is the foundation of what us as believers, if we want to be effective believers in life, we need to find peace and stand in it. We need to be ready with this peace. Because I don't know about you, it takes all of five seconds to go online and have fear and anxiety just kicking. I mean, you guys all know events that are going on in the world, and immediately you can go, oh, no, this is it. It's all coming to an end. But to to be in God's word, to be in that good news, to be ready and say, no, I know things are crazy, but I'm going to be ready in the peace of what God is. I'm going to be ready in the peace of what God says he's going to do. That yes, the situation, whatever situation, yes, it's scary and there's there's reason for fear. I'm going to choose to have peace knowing that God has already conquered this situation. I don't have to worry about that. And it's it's a posture shift that's required. And then we, we, in my city, we've been talking about Joshua. Uh, he was, he was a, I think, a very fitting for this, this series overall. A guy who is a warrior, uh, who has a, a, a go-can-do attitude, who's ready to go and fight, who's not afraid of trying some unconventional battle tactics, such as walking around a building, then shouting, or a city, and then the walls fall down. It's a little unconventional, I would say. Um, but he's not afraid. He believes, you know, God has told me to do this. I'm going to go do it. And uh, later on in this story, uh, Israel kind of gets a little bit prideful. And they say, oh, we're going to send, send some people down to defeat those guys. You don't need to send everybody. It's fine. And they proceed to get their butts kicked. Uh, and then they pull a classic Israel and say, we should go back to Egypt. It was so much better in Egypt without these people, you know, trying to kill us. And it's a moment where they forgot to put their boots on. They forgot to remind and remember that, hey, God is my peace. God conquering. God had already given them the promised land. It was the peace that they needed to walk in knowing, no, he has given us this. So no matter what challenge we face, we are ready for it. And I think that's something that us as believers, especially in today's day and age, uh, we desperately need peace. Uh, But at the end of the day, you're the one who puts your shoes on. Right. Uh, You know, we can we can tell you, you should put your shoes on. You should put your shoes on. And granted, you know, sometimes my most some of my kids can put all their shoes on. There's maybe one of them that can't quite figure it out or she's too stubborn to figure it out. I'll let you figure out who who that one is. Uh, But, you know, at a certain point, you got to learn to put your own shoes on. Right. If you're going to go out through the day, you got to put your shoes on and be ready for what's coming. And having peace at the end of the day is surrendering control of everything in your life, surrendering control of your relationships and your situations to God and recognizing God is my victory. God has already conquered. God, Christ died and rose again. I don't have to worry about other situations because he said he will be faithful to the very end. He will always be there. He will always claim the victory. And so I need to put on my boots and be ready for when those moments come so that I can then have that peace that I need uh, because fear is going to show up. Promise. Guarantee. So uh, that's what I have for you guys this morning. Uh, at this time, Pastor Steve, I believe, will come back. Great job. Go ahead. Come on, give them all three a big, big hand. And uh, worship team is going to come and join me. And I want to I have you all stand, and I want to just make an appeal to you for a moment here. Um, have you dreamed about God using you? Have you spent some time about that? I know many of you, you're used by God regularly. Um, 
But I want to talk to just just for a moment for those of you who maybe have yet to dream about this. When you walk into a place like this where there's people with smiles on their face who all diverse backgrounds and all sorts of different uh, experiences in life and ages, uh, you've just heard from a pretty diverse crowd there. You've got a mom and then a daughter and then a son and again, all different ages involved in all sorts of different things in life and experiences, yet committed to the same cause, Jesus, and inspiring people on all different sorts of levels. I mean, if you were to look into how these three individuals affect people in our community, but especially in our church family, it it is expansive. And I cannot imagine our church with missing any one of those three. The impact that those three, I mean, shoot, if Steve didn't show up, I don't know if we'd know how to even turn anything on. I mean, we'd be doing sock puppets up here, you know, uh, forget the lunges and, and stunt doubles. We, we wouldn't be able to turn on the lights and be in the dark. I cannot imagine this church family without Alana Felix, who announced to me, I've been called by God from my birth to lead our team awards night. And I looked at her, I'm like, clearly you have been. And she looks at moments in life like that and she shines and she battles and she, she, but she grows. And, and of course her mom, like one of the most amazing moms I've ever known, like, you know, the, the playing ground is not level and it's challenge. And yet she, she does battle away and has raised some pretty remarkable people and has a pretty remarkable impact on everyone in this church family. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. And so I want to appeal to you. When you walked in the door for the very first time, I promise you, you had our attention. Just looking around the room, some newer people looking over at at Gabriel. And I remember the first day he walked, it was not that long ago, three, four weeks ago, walked in. I was like, who is this guy? He has an awful big smile. What's he up to? What's going on? And then talked to him after church. And one of the most respectful young men who's now driving here and bringing his sister to church. And just has told us, I love it, I love it. Well, as much as I love that he loves it, I'm dreaming about his future. I hope he is too. Imagine being used, a life of being used by God. I look out, you know, throughout the room and see so many of our young adults and newer families and people who used to be involved with kingdom things and got derailed, but are now getting the wind back in their sail and saying, oh God, oh God, listen, God's going to use you. The future of our church family is bright. I'm gonna, you know how I know it's, it's bright? Because we have had to battle through garbage the last couple of years just with life. God's got a great future for you. Will you lean forward? Will you engage? Will you put your, raise your hand, coach, put me in and begin the process? Just saying, hey, I'm available. I want to get involved. And who knows? I can't guarantee you'll end up on the platform. Listen, that's not necessarily the most effective place in the world anyways but lean forward into the fight that God has for you and discover that God can use you in remarkable ways. Amen? Amen. Amen. God, turn around to the person behind you and say, God can use you in remarkable ways. Amen? God can use you in remarkable ways. I want to, I want to do this. I want to pray over you just for a second. Okay. Worship team is going to sing a final song. I'm not going to close my eyes because I'm going to stare you down. When I pray, there's no place in the Bible that says, close your eyes when you pray. I, you know, I pray when I drive. How would that turn out? It's like, probably better than it does when I have them open. 
Father, I thank you for every person in this room. These are beautiful people. Father, their conception is remarkable, especially the attack of the enemy and the world that we live in would snuff every life out before it ever exists. These are remarkable people that you've touched. You've brought them to this spot in their lives. Some of them have battled through physical ailments and challenges and attacks and difficulties and disease and illness and tragedy. And yet, God, they stand right here. Lord, there's a pulse. I believe, God, that you have great things for the future of each person in this room. I pray, God, you'll give them a vision, help them to see forward, help them to begin to dream about how as they surrender their life to you, that you can begin to use them. Father, I pray you give them dreams at nighttime, visions, that they'll see things that they have yet to see. They'll begin to be excited about a future that is filled with you empowering them to do great things in their homes, outside of their homes, in this room, outside of this room, all around the world. And together, Lord, we have an impact that changes our region, changes our state, changes our world. I speak that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 